0: The Christian world needs more spirit-filled teaching. So often we have fiery preaching without substance or doctrine without life. But we seek to join the two. We seek to bring theology on fire. This is Andrew Wilkes. This is Leo Wilkes. And this is Theology on Fire. Hey everyone, this is Andrew Very excited to come to you today about the topic of Christian persecution. I know that sounds very heavy, but this is a subject that is talked about very much in the Word of God, and this is episode 50, so hooray! This is awesome, super exciting, 50 episodes in, it's been a whirlwind year, and I'm just blessed to be able to bring this subject to you. This is a subject, topic of Christian persecution, that has been deeply in my heart. I want to say for about 12, 13 years. It just has. It's always been there. God's put it there. Just this fascination and um, just even just the reality of what it is to suffer for Christ that brothers and sisters all over this earth— go through. And this is not something to be feared, but that's something that, we'll, as we'll find, Christ actually told us to rejoice in. So let me pray before we get started. God, this is a heavy subject. I know it's a very serious subject. I pray you would open our hearts to hear what you have to say about this, that we would be awakened to what's going on around this world, to many brothers and sisters, God, and that we might step into the gap and pray for them and support them, God, knowing that one day it could come to anyone within the sound of my voice that follows you. Amen. In Hebrews eleven thirty six to 38, if you have been in Christianity for some time, you may be familiar with Hebrews 11. It's the chapter of faith, or some may call it the hall of faith, and we're told about all the wonderful victories that people have because they have faith in Christ. But then towards the end of this chapter, we're greeted with verses 36 to 38 that say the following, Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Now that, at first glance, that doesn't mesh well with a lot of the theology, a lot of the poor Pathetic preaching that's out there that says this is your best life now And if you follow god, you're going to have money in the bank and you're going to be happy all the time But we're told here by god himself the holy spirit who penned this scripture through the writer of hebrews That these people were people of faith And that the world was not even worthy of them But they weren't all blessed in the the quote air quotes that i'm using to say blessed And the in the way that maybe some people think about it They were blessed to know a holy god and to walk with him but they were persecuted by this world. And everyone who has walked with the God, even before the church, the New Testament, there's a common theme of them being persecuted. In the second generation of humanity, Abel was murdered by his own brother Cain. Why? Because Abel brought a pleasing sacrifice to God, and Cain was jealous of this, and he persecuted and murdered his brother Because of the walk that Abel had with God, and Cain could not take that, his heart was sick with sin. The prophet Jeremiah, he was dropped into a pit with muck and mire up to his chest. Why? For prophesying, for declaring what God gave him to say to the people of Israel at that time. John the Baptist was beheaded for speaking truth. God's people have always been persecuted by the ungodly. And again, this is especially true in the church age. In fact, it was Jesus. He said in Matthew 5, 11 to 12, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Verses 43 to 44, of the same chapter, Jesus continues on the Mount discourse here, and he says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbors and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. This was something captured by the disciples, who, these apostles who wrote the gospels. In John, he even quotes Jesus as saying, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. by the religious establishment, not just the pagans, not just Rome. It was them who nailed them to a Roman cross. But the religious establishment of Israel put Christ to death. Why? Satan is indeed ruler in a sense of this world, the God of the air who influences and seeks to destroy the influence of God. He's obsessed with it. That's why we see in the LGBTQ agenda, the destruction of the family, abortion, all these things, the persecution of Christians, Satan hates the image of God. He wants to distort it, and he hates the life of Christ. And in the church age that we live in now, the Holy Spirit lives within all people that have placed their faith in Christ, and Satan hates it. Because as much as prophets were influenced for a moment, power came upon them by the Spirit of God to complete a task for God. Now God himself indwells his church. And when he indwells us as believers, we have the authority, the power, and the ammunition, spiritually speaking, to forward the kingdom of God through the preaching of the gospel. Souls can be plucked from hell, from the kingdom of darkness, and Satan cannot have this because he is jealous to take the glory of God from God. We find in the book of Acts, after Jesus has been risen from the dead, the first martyr, Stephen, and he is stoned to death. And Jesus even stands up at the right hand of the Father. Stephen says, I see him at the right hand of the Father. And then the people rush upon him and stone him to death with stones. For being a believer, for preaching the gospel, they hated him. The Apostle Paul, he was even seeking out Christians to throw in jail just before he met Christ and just before he was born again, just before his life was transformed by Jesus. As we move forward in history, all through the Roman Empire, the message of the gospel, it elicited a strong response. People were either born again out of their paganism, they were rejected by the society, or at a social level, or they were persecuted outright, thrown in prison, put to death. Why? Because they disrupted the, quote, normal of the day. The pagan worship, the ungodly lifestyles came into conflict. The kingdom of light confronted the kingdom of darkness, and that brought persecution. William Tyndale in the the Middle Ages, this was a man, his heart was to translate the Bible into the English language because remember, the Catholic church was ruling over Europe at the time. And the word of God was in Latin, which was no longer the language of the normal everyday people. And so this man, William Tyndale, said, you know what? It's not right. The word of God, it's its the rule of faith. It, it is what Christians base their faith in everything in Christ upon. And so I'm going to put this in English. He, and he was put to death. This man was put to death. Guess what his crimes were? One of them He maintained that faith alone in Christ would justify a man or or make him right with God. Another one was that he believed, just believing that Christ would forgive your sins, just by receiving the mercy from the message of the gospel, was enough for salvation, not by works. He also said that human traditions should not bind the conscience. He said that there was no purgatory, and he said that the Virgin Mary and saints were not there to pray for us. And he said they should not be spoken to by us. And he was put to death. He was choked to death, and then he was burned at the stake. Even today, it's, you know persecution is not something that's in the past, and somehow we've developed as humankind, and we're just so gentle to one another. I'm going to highlight just a few countries here. North Korea. North Korea is the number one nation for persecution of Christians today. And if you're in North Korea and you're a Christian who's discovered you are deported to a labor camp as a political criminal, or you might be killed on the spot. If you have a Bible, you hide it. You don't let anyone know you have it. In fact, some Christians or many Christians, they don't even tell their own children about their faith in Jesus because they don't want their kids to slip up and say something to a school teacher, to a friend, to a neighbor, because they know that they will go to a labor camp perhaps, for life, if they even make it there, where they will be abused, where they will be sexually assaulted, where so many ungodly things will happen to them. And in North Korea, in fact, you're supposed to worship, it's called Jush worship, where you worship the leader, his father and his father, for an unholy trinity. Instead of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's the founder of North Korea after the communist revolution there, and his son, and then the current leader today. In China, this is another big persecutor of Christians, religion religion is banned from the public sphere. Teachers and medical staff have been pressured to sign documents saying they have no religious faith, in some areas elderly people have been told that their pensions will be cut if they don't renounce Christianity. And in other places, spouses may be forced to divorce and children can be taken away from Christian parents. Because there really the state religion is communism. They would say it's not a religion, but they want complete and utter devotion. Can we see the common thread here? It may seem like these are just dictatorships. It may seem like it's just a communist, a Marxist ideology, but it's the spirit of this world, of this age, of Satan's darkness and his kingdom, and he will use whatever label it takes to keep people in subjection to him and to humanity and away from God in the area of tibet recently or in the past year jealous lamas or buddhist priests they put to death nearly 20 believers who converted to christianity they were jealous that they left in other places it's more like discrimination soft persecution you might call it like in spain where bible believing christians they're viewed with suspicion and it can even be very difficult to obtain permits to build a church and one area of spain catalonia there are what's called unreasonably high standards for non-Catholic worship places. I mean, like, whether it's the fire code, whether it's the building code, all of these different codes that are implemented and are uh, put forth for all non-Catholic worship places because there, the Catholic Church and the former dictator, Franco. They were friends. They were bedfellows. It was, he had Catholicism as being the religion of the entire nation. And even today, there's not true equality for religious minorities there. There's an agreement between the Catholic Church and Spain, but for all the minorities, few churches are actually able to meet the building standards in Catalonia. And that means that very few are able to open. Some may see this as coincidence. Others may say, Well, Andrew, you're being so hype. No, you don't understand. There is a warfare for souls. There is a warfare where Christ is seeking to advance his kingdom to save people from hell. And it may just look like humanity, but there is a spirit behind it which restricts the going forth of the message of the gospel to keep people bound in darkness. And you would have to either just be blind, dead, or you just don't open your Bible, and you don't really understand the story of Scripture. Because this is a story of a battle between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. But I want to assure you, we are given victory. We are told in Romans eight thirty five to 39 Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long, for we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Paul was writing to these Romans, and in that Roman Empire, there was such persecution. In fact, under Nero, whenever part of Rome burned down, he blamed the Christians. In the Roman emperors, from this time even forward for hundreds of years before Constantine came in and things kind of settled down and became more of, well, really backslid in Christianity and the Catholic Church began to rise. But between this time and that time, it was a time of persecution and a time of peace. And a time of persecution and a time of peace, depending on who the emperor was. It was a terrible time. They did not count their lives as dear to them, but they were willing to lay it down why because there was something better and they knew they were conquerors it says in romans 8:37 to 39 no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for i am sure that neither life nor death nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any else and all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The love of God and knowing Jesus. Not a religion, but a real life relationship with God himself through Jesus. His love was so sweet that these people did not count their lives dear to them, but were willing to lay it down. This is amazing. This is absolutely amazing in the world we live in today. But you, if you're listening to me right now, I don't know how much persecution perhaps is in your society. If you're from Western Europe, it might be that softer form where it's more of a bad look and pressure to be quiet because, you know, we don't, we don't rock the boat. We're real multicultural here and, you know, we have to be very respectful of everyone. Well, we need to be aware of persecution from the biblical foundation. We need, we need to understand the history of Christianity, which is a history of persecution. We need to know the current state in the world, and we need to know the possibility of persecution to all believers at all times. Because if we don't, we won't be able to pray for those. We're told in Hebrews to remember those that are bound in chains as if we were bound with them. If I were bound in chains, if I really live that scripture out and I pray God will help me, then I would pray for them all the time. If I don't know about persecution, how can I give them Bibles? How can I give people scripturally sound teaching by giving to organizations, ministries that help the church members that are being persecuted? How can I travel to meet them, to fellowship with them, to serve them as the Lord would open doors? How can I advocate for them through my own government and put pressure on foreign governments to treat all people with respect and dignity regardless of their faith? If I I, I can learn from them, I can learn what it's like to be without the favor of society, of government. And not only to not have that favor, but to have the disfavor and pressure against my life and how Christianity is really worth it and how Christianity is worth the test. Whenever it's tested, it comes up pure. You know, we mostly have a soft, lull you to sleep kind of attack here in America, or at least it has been for years. And Satan in the West has tried to tie us up with the cares of, of this life, the lust of our flesh. We've got these TV preachers who, you know, it's pathetic. It's really pathetic. I saw this person on Facebook. I won't say their name, but they had 198,000 followers. And the way they spoke was exactly like one of the big name preachers. And they said all they were talking about really was God's blessings and how he wants to help you financially. And people are just commenting and, and right front and center, this is how you can donate to our ministry. And this person, they look like maybe late 20s, early 30s. They seem to be getting a lot of traction, investing a lot in advertisement. hundred, almost 200,000 followers. And just as a test, I went to Instagram and I looked at one minister who's been ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ faithfully for 40 or 50 years. And this man had nearly exactly the same amount of followers as this other person. That's the kind of persecution that comes against the church. False teachings, trash theology. Something to make you love your own life, because you're concerned about all your own blessings in your best life now. You know, in Canada, it's maybe getting a bit worse there, you know. You you can't say so much, uh, even against Islam. I mean, if you were to even quote the Quran, people may say you're trying to be a bigot or something like this, and you might just be trying to really just free people from that religion. And it's in these places, this, this softer persecution, maybe like Canada, maybe, which is a little bit worse than the US, maybe the UK, Western Europe, where really it's more of a societal pressure, where multiculturalism is at the forefront, where it's, you have to be accepting of everyone's beliefs. Don't challenge them. We, we just got to live in harmony. Now, look, I know people can be absolutely foolish and how they witness. But I wonder how the Apostle Paul would view this namby-pamby Christianity that's prevailing in so much of the earth, where we really relish our high-paying jobs more than the pleasure of Christ. We care more for the good favor of our co-workers, who mean nothing compared to God. We won't even pray for them sometimes. The pressure can come against us in, in the softer form of just, just, just pressure of society there's a client, there's a co-worker, oh, I'm not not really allowed to do that. Can't you invite them to coffee later? Is really the gospel of Jesus Christ not great news? Is it not what delivers souls from eternal torment and separation from our Creator? Look, I'm not telling you to just stand up on your desk and start preaching it to your workplace. I'm saying, can you be sensitive to the Lord, sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and say, God, I know I have to walk a fine line, give me wisdom but I believe you're pressing me in my heart and I need to say something to this person. Help me to open up the conversation and see how it opens up. But don't just shut yourself down because it's what your society thinks or it's what your job thinks. Who cares? These people are going to spend eternity somewhere. It would be worth losing your job if God told you to do something. It's worth it. Stephen gave up his life. Paul was in prison repeatedly beaten, rejected, the off-scouring of the world. That is our heritage. And they were led by the Holy Spirit to go to these places. And all I'm encouraging you to do is say, look, if my brothers and sisters can endure this persecution abroad, what might God be telling me to do here? To be open to say, you know what? I want to live for Christ, whatever comes by His grace, by His power. If you've got the light of God in you, there has to be a point where Christ in you is offensive to the world around you. I'm going to say that one more time. Please listen closely. If you really have Christ in you, the light of the world, and he came to light the darkness, and in John chapter one it says that the darkness did not like the light, but it hid itself because the light exposed the sin that was in the darkness, then your life, if it's not shining light and not exposing darkness, if you at some point can't hang out with your coworkers because they're doing things that God would not have you to do, if there's not that separation at some point where they find you to be, oh, a, kind of a fuddy-duddy because you're a believer and you're so busy trying to, to, to fit in and see, see Christianity's cool. Now, I know that we can really befriend people and love them. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm asking you, is there a bushel? Is there a basket placed over your light? And have you done it to yourself? Have I done it to myself? We're told in Luke six twenty three and also 26, Rejoice in that day, leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their father did to the prophets. Speaking of persecution, they persecuted the prophets, and we're supposed to rejoice and leap for joy when they speak evil of us and persecute us. And we're told, woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. If people speak well of you all the time, and there's never a separation between light and darkness, we're put in the category of false prophets. And again, I'm not telling you to go and be mean. I'm not telling you to go and the excitement and zeal of hearing this message that now I'm going to stand for Christ and be persecuted for, for his sake. God help us from that foolishness but simply to say, here I am, a vessel of yours, God. And regardless of what's going on in my society, in my culture, I want to follow you by the grace of God. Give me ears to hear. Give me eyes to see what you're saying, what you're doing, and help me to obey and deliver people by his leading, by his spirit. So do you attract any confrontation from religious or the society? You don't seek it. It'll find you. It will find you. And just to back out a little bit more, the persecution all over this world, we need to pray for our brothers and sisters. We need to keep them in prayer. We need to learn from their examples, especially this in Romans 12, 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Because that, oh my goodness, can melt a heart of stone. Whether you're a communist, a Buddhist, or any other ist, whenever a Christian really lives for Christ, imagine the hot coals poured on top of the head of that person when they persecute a believer. And the believer loves them, is kind to them, washes their wounds, gives to them. I have a brother who has ministry in, in Asia. And in fact, there was, a, um, there was a leader of the village. He hated the Christians. He was unkind to an evangelist there who was ministering to different people and preaching and people were getting saved. Until the village crops burnt to the ground, there was a fire. And then the Christians blessed those who persecuted them. They blessed and they did not curse their enemies. They went as a body of Christ to give. Food was provided to this village. This man was so humbled. And he said, I've been wrong to you. I've been wrong to you. And he gave his life to Christ. That's what we want to pray for. That these people would see, what have I done? Just like Saul of Tarsus who became the Apostle Paul. What have I done? I don't want to tear down the body of Christ. I want to help it. I want to bless it. So let's pray for the body of Christ. And there are just three quick resources I want to mention to you here. Two books and a website. First book was uh, God's Smuggler, God Smuggler by Brother Andrew. And that's in the post-World War II era through the Cold War. What was going on in Europe touches Vietnam, Asia. And then The Insanity of God by Nick Ripkin which is after Cold War, kind of to the present day. And you can see what happened from God's smuggler, the church in persecution, and how they endured for 70, 80 years even, all this time, and how they're there today. And then the website opendoors.org, and uh, you'll find lots of good information there where you can dig deeper. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you we can go through this. We can be exhorted and encouraged and challenged. Put this deep within our hearts. Help us to stand with our brothers and sisters. Help us to realize what it means to be a believer. As you say, in Timothy, that all who live godly in Christ Jesus, we will be persecuted. We will face troubles. This world will press against us. And Lord Jesus, that doesn't mean we're doing something wrong. If we're walking in your spirit and hearing you rightly and obeying you, it simply means The light is shining in the darkness, and the darkness doesn't want it. But Father, help us to shine on. Help us to shine on and obey you so that souls can be saved. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us at Theology on Fire. Please subscribe so you won't miss new episodes. All of our information and contact details can be found at theologyonfire.org.